Hey there, Margie Bryce here bringing you the Krabby Pastor Podcast. And I don't think you're going to be too surprised to know that it's too easy today to become the Krabby Pastor. Our time together will give you food for thought to help you be the ministry leader fully surrendered to God's purposes and living into whatever it takes to get you there and keep you there. So we're talking about sustainability in ministry. Dedicating this episode of the Krabby Pastor podcast to when creativity wanes. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been working on your sermon and the creativity just seems to evaporate. So what I'm offering here is hopefully my best pep talk for all y'all out there for when creativity just seems to be tanking on you. And boy, here we are. What's coming up? Christmas. Now, maybe your church does a version of a talent show. And okay, that's kind of a crabby comment, I know. But I bet you know what I mean, and if your people share their gifts, and I'm using air quotes around the share their gifts, then you really don't have to worry about the Christmas sermon, right? However, most of us are not in that spot. So I remember the very first time I preached a Christmas sermon, actually, it was pretty exciting. And, you know, you feel the high honor that it is to preach about the coming of the baby Jesus to planet Earth, right? This is a big deal. But then around year three or four, well, you're kind of looking for a new take, a new angle on the birth of baby Jesus. You know, it's pretty much Luke, John, or Isaiah, right? I mean, those are the main spots. There's others, but those are the major players here. Now, now hear me, hear me on this. Certainly, this is good news. Baby Jesus coming to earth is big-time good news. But how can you communicate that in new, fresh ways? You know, Ecclesiastes does say there's nothing new under the sun. So, uh, hmm. well, there's plenty of devotional books that offer helps and at least get your creative juices going or start some ideas percolating And certainly we could take a topical approach, you know, like materialism. (laughs) That always goes over real big, right? I mean, it is a good challenge to put out there. Or how about a sermon about being crabby at Christmas? Sermons about attitudes. Eh, Those are always welcome, right? (laughs) On the other hand, there's, you know, typically first-time guests out there, and so you want to do justice to it that way as well. So how, how far do you want to go with attitudes and materialism? Unless you can wrap it up nicely near the end. You know, one preaching pastor, teacher, he was a pastor for many years before he taught at seminary, told us that people rarely remember what we say, which... That always resonates with me real well, but they rarely remember what we say, but they definitely remember how you made them feel. So his strategy was to get the emotions up and moving and plan a collision with the gospel. You know, frankly, I like that idea, but I also 
sometimes get a little stuck with the implementation of that idea. Anyway, all that to say is I I came to the place where I thought a five-year rotation of your material was just fine. For sure, for sure, you got to go back and tweak it up fresh each time, go back to year one material, say, and, you know, bring it up current for sure, but the basic framework might still be workable, usable, but... Anyway, so just some little strategy there. But, you know, what if you're stuck? What if you sit down to write and you're stuck? And this can happen anytime, let alone for the big Christmas um, message there. I mean, there's plenty of good reasons to be stuck, really. Ministry leaders have actually a lot on their plates leading others to have that jaw-dropping, heart-wrenching, and life-transforming experience as a result of your sermon, certainly your Christmas sermon, you know, no pressure there, right? So the lot of stuff on your plate thing, you know, is a thing. It is real. In addition to the usual care and feeding of your congregation, everything this month points to Christmas. Right, And there's usually plenty of extra stuff, you know, to do like events, saying thank you to your leaders. Oh, and then there's your friends and family gatherings and gifts there. And you want to be sure you find a way to make your Christmas meaningful. You know, I don't know, like serve at a soup kitchen or bringing sandwiches to the homeless or just slowing down long enough to hear God's voice tell you to offer a kind gesture to a stranger. You don't want to miss those moments. So yeah, a full plate with lots of expectations for you to fulfill brings pressure, doesn't it? And guess what happens then? Lots of pressure gets your amygdala going. I never knew what that was before I was at seminary and I learned about the amygdala That's the area in the brain that deals with fear, and it triggers our body to respond. Apparently, it's gone beyond fight or flight. I thought those were the two main ones, but in poking around on the internet, because I wanted to have something science-y and and legit-sounding besides just, you know, what I learned, I thought that might be helpful. I don't know if it is or not, but simplepsychology.org was where I was kind of poking around because that just sounded like something that could be useful and helpful here. But they've added freeze and fawn to the list. So the whole list is fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. So freeze kind of makes sense, and that's sort of where what happens. And it's a fear response triggered by the amygdala because your stress goes up high. I'd never heard of fawn before, but according to the article that I read, it's what you do in threatening situations to appease the situation so you can avoid conflict. And I thought, hmm, that has some pastoral applications somewhere, doesn't it? Anyway, this stress can lead to fear, fear of failure, fear of delivering a subpar sermon, especially on Christmas Eve or as it happens to fall on Sunday this year, Christmas Day. And once this fear is activated, your body heads to the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. You know, in the case of 
the sermon angst and application, I'm going to go with freeze because it feels like our brains have frozen. And actually, you know, it has. Because the more the amygdala takes over, the thinking department basically shuts down, goes down the toilet, goes home, and takes a very long nap and takes your creativity along with it. So, I guess the short of it is we could say, calm down, just calm down. Doesn't that sound easy? You know, I've been talking about slowing down for several podcasts now, and that is a part of the solution. If you're running too fast, you know, you're, you're kind of operating on a, a low-level flight pattern, you know, in the fight, flight, free, freeze, and fawn thing. So what can you do to calm down? What can you do to come back to the present? Because that's a part of the solution. Because what happens is we worry about the future, which isn't here yet. What's going to happen down the road? And we ruminate on the past and the past failures, which are done gone now anyway. And so what we need to do, though, is to stay in the present, in the here and now, and that actually helps us calm down. One way you can do that is through your senses. They can help you reel your own self back into the now. So, you know, for example, go to the coffee shop, smell the coffee brewing. This time of year, you can see the beautiful decorations, the twinkle lights, and I never think there can be too many twinkle lights Taste your coffee and see that it is indeed good. Savor the moment. Hear the music. Touch the table. Pick up the napkin. Feel the warmth of your mug, coffee mug there. And again, see the Christmas lights because I love those, love those. And here you are. You're home now back into the present, into the now. And guess what? God is in the present. What is that little saying, those little series goes, I am not in the past. I am not, I was. I am not, I will be in the future. God is the I am. It is the I am. I am in the present. And I always find it interesting when scripture and common sense dovetail. So once you find yourself in the present, just stop and enjoy the moment. Spend some time, waste some time. That's kind of like a Marva Dawn book about worship, the royal waste of time. But waste some time in reflection and worship of the beauty of life that surrounds you. Marvel at what's around you for the moment and breathe in and out and thank the giver for giving you the breath that is in you. I always wonder when we wake up every morning and we say it's a new day, we just think it's the norm. You know, what is it about our bodies that triggers us inside? Not an alarm clock or any other noises, but something triggers us to wake up and actually, I see that as the hand of God saying, hey, 
you get another day here. So what I'm working on doing is painting a picture of what it might look like to take that chill pill. It's like Jesus saying, come here, child. Come and set a spell with me. That chill pill. Well, I am, I, I'm going to really say that the God who called you will equip you and provide you with all good gifts. I'm also going to say, you know, I'm also going to tell you that if you're drawing a total blank for any particular sermon, whether that be for Christmas or whatever, the best thing you can do is walk away from the computer for a while. Maybe go and do your be in the present moment thing at the coffee shop. Not to be hip and cool doing your sermon there, but just to be. Just to be. We are human beings, not human doings. There's a lot of confusion around that, and I stand just as guilty as everyone else. Creativity is not something you can force. It's not like working hard to squeeze that last bit of toothpaste out of the tube. Creativity flows. It's more like a river. So if your river is just not flowing, you need to step away from the computer for a while. Go take that break at the coffee shop. Go for a walk at the mall, the beach, anywhere where you can sense God's presence and see God's beauty around you. This is a mental and emotional mini vacation to reconnect you with the present. Now, before I go further with this, I'm, I'm working on uh, painting a picture of what not to do here for a moment, which is not to start working on your sermon 48 hours or less before you're going to deliver it. Now, you are indeed working the toothpaste out of the tube when you do that. And you do run the risk of being, well, mediocre. And whoever starts out wanting to be mediocre... I advocate for a preaching schedule where you are working well ahead, and that is in some previous podcasts, so I suggest that you check that out. And still, creativity during your writing times can still wane. That's just unavoidable. You're going to hit a wall at some point. You know, it's like if you ride a horse long enough, at some point, you know you're going to take a fall off the horse. It just is part of the territory. So maybe... You sat at your computer and nothing of any substance is materializing and you have stopped, you have gone and done something else for a while and decided, yeah, okay, I think I can go back now. And that's just kind of something, a sense that you might have within yourself when it's time to to head back. Maybe you're going to be off the computer for the rest of the day and go back the next day. It's, this is not criminal here, but I'm going to give you some basic writing tips that kind of connect and, and with creating a sermon and hopefully can help drive down some of the angst about writing. For one thing, okay, I'm going to start here. I have a list here of things, but I'm starting here. You do want to have a single sentence that drives everything in your sermon, and you may know ahead of time what it is. Or guess what? You may not. Or you may even get writing and things shift and change. Any and all of that is okay. That's creativity. That is immersing yourself in the writing 
and kind of letting it flow. If you do not have a sentence, now some of us do. I mean, I, I used to work at where I would months in advance have the main idea that I was going to be driving at. But I always had to hold that loosely because if along the way, if as I was formulating and working on this lump of clay to try to make it be something decent and respectable to look at, things would shift and change and you have to allow for that. And some of that is being and becoming friends with your creativity. So if you do not have a sentence, don't freak. You, you want to avoid freaking out and going down the whole flight, fight, freeze, or fawn road, you know, relax. If you really need to do the step away from the computer time, if you need to do that, do that. That's okay. And then when you want to feel like you want to give it another go, sit back down and know that sometimes the aha moment in your sermon is momentarily buried, but that as you work on the sermon, it will indeed arrive, it will indeed bubble up. That's the God part in this. That's the Holy Spirit at work. And the Holy Spirit is especially good at creating, and that extends to creativity. So we do want to make sure we are connected to God and God's purposes. And I kind of feel like that's almost implied here. You know, should I, maybe I should say, do you think it's a good idea to pray before you're going after this? Of course, I do. So some of that is implied and goes with the turf of being a pastor and a ministry leader. So here's another nugget I'm going to leave you with. Write your introduction last. Like, seriously. I'm very serious about this. This is a newspaper trick I used to write for a couple of different newspapers. And this is what writing coaches would tell you. You write all of the rest of the stuff that you want to get down. And then after you're done looking at all the rest of that stuff, you know best how to introduce your message. I mean, it makes sense. But some of us get stuck. They, we want to have that big opening and somehow we think that everything else is going to flow from that. And I'm not saying that never works because the creative process can be, there's a lot of ways that it can happen. So, and, and I did do that on occasion, but a lot of times I would come back and just ditch it and totally rewrite it because I had lived in the process of creating the rest of the message. And then I knew best how to introduce what I was going to say. The next thing I'm going to tell you is to throw up. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about anything weird here, but if, uh, if you got stuff, then you need to throw it up on the computer screen. All of it. Every idea that you have in your head for that particular message. Just plop it in. It might be a sentence or two. It might be several sentences. It might be several paragraphs. Just don't worry about what goes first or last or how you say it. You, you just have to throw it up on the computer screen. All of it. Every last drop of it. And maybe it's lots of little paragraphs. Don't worry about proper wording 
or grammar, because maybe some useful nugget is going to emerge from that process that is useful. Maybe there's an idea and you say, oh, hey, I think I'm going to run with that. And maybe, just maybe, you'll get yourself rolling a bit. And, and the theological part of this is setting your foot in the land, knowing that the God who guided your steps there is, is indeed going to show up. Lord Jesus, help me is always, always a good prayer. I want to say next that there is a writing process that happens. And I don't know anybody that just sits down at the computer, writes the whole thing, and boom, they're done in one session, you know, unless kind of you're doing a funeral, in which case you are then beholden to deliver something within 48 hours or so. They're, they're the exception to this. You need to have the work-ahead mindset going. So if it's the beginning of December, you, you want to be working on your Christmas sermon because because you need to be working ahead because you are going to have to take this raw lump of clay that is just nothing of any significance and you're going to knead it. That's K-N-E-A-D. And you're going to work on it and you're going to massage it and you're going to leave it on the table and come back the next day and massage it some more and oh, I'm going to work on this one area and make it look like something helpful and useful and good. And then I'm going to work on this little area. So you can see this is a repeated effort. So you're going to want a couple times a week to have a slot of time that's just writing related where you can work on several, you know, I'll work a bit on this message. I'll work a bit on that message. Okay, it, it is a good writing process to have a rough draft, and that's what the throw-up is, actually, is the roughest of drafts you're going to come up with. And then work it towards a first draft, and you come back and you go over and over and over what you're working on continually to make it better and better. And sometimes that means chopping out something that you think is just the most amazing thing that you could possibly say, but it really doesn't contribute to that one big overarching sentence the way that you need it to. So sometimes chopping is is a part of that process. So have a set writing time established in your weekly routine. Again, this is a vote for not working on this within 48 hours of when you're going to deliver because, again, you make your anxiety go up and you run the risk of being, you know, just mediocre or somewhat okay and not giving the whole process and giving yourself to the whole process of what it means to be creative. Be creative. My last little tidbit that I'm going to, to offer you is <laughs> when, you, when you do your throw-up, on the computer screen, and you look at that, and you think, what a mess. There is nothing that is good that is going to come out of this. Maybe you'll start to reorganize your thoughts into a logical way and work on delivering that message. And by the way, mess, M-E-S-S, hmm, or message, M-E-S-S-A-G-E. Age is the difference. It takes time to craft a message. It takes 
time. That is the difference between a mess and a message, is taking the time and giving yourself to the creative process that the Holy Spirit is sure to help you through. Hey, thanks for listening. It is my deep desire and passion to champion issues of sustainability in ministry and for your life. So I'm here to help. I stepped back from pastoral ministry and I feel called to help ministry leaders uh, create and cultivate sustainability in their lives so that they can go the distance with God and whatever plans that God has for you. I would love to help. I would consider it an honor. And in all things, make sure you connect to these sustainability practices, you know, so that you don't become the crabby pastor. <laughs>